I love that song. I do that song with my folks up at Forest Ridge just about every Monday. And this last week, we uh, celebrated one of our ladies' birthdays. And I, I was the perfect gentleman. I never did ask her how old she was. Um, but uh, we celebrated last, her birthday was last Sunday. And uh, we celebrated it with her on Monday. And then on Friday, she went home to be with the Lord. Uh, so I'll be doing a memorial service for her tomorrow up at Forest Ridge, and we'll be singing one of those songs because it's one of those that she enjoyed singing with us. So um, she has let the, the burdens of this life go, and she has gone on to be with her Savior and Lord. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to uh, turn to Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 33 this morning. Um, and uh, as we continue our series on spiritual disciplines this morning, we come to the spiritual discipline of evangelism. And so, Tony, I thank you for your Sunday school class this morning, because uh, if you were able to be there in Sunday school class this morning, um, he kick-started my sermon with his Sunday school lesson. So if you weren't, here is my PSA for Sunday school. Uh, as of right now, for right now, we are trying to see if Sunday school works at 8.45 in the morning. We have a class for every age group, so we invite you to come. All right. Uh, so that's my uh, PSA for Sunday school. Get up, get here, you will enjoy it if you come. Now, uh, overcoming our greatest fear is what I want to talk about today. And uh, um, in that, I want you to watch this next video. Uh, throughout our series, uh, I have pulled from these guys uh, uh, the skinny on each of the areas that we were talking about. So um, the skin guys are going to share with you the skinny on evangelism. Uh, I think that sometimes a good laugh helps us to kind of understand the seriousness uh, of the, the subject we're going to talk about. So if you will, play our video. Evangelism is not for the weak, all right? I should know. I wrote a whole book about it, self-published. Most Christians, they are just good for bake sales and potluck dinners. But I'm telling you this right now. It takes a lot of moxie to grab a non-believer by the shirt collar and throw him in the front doors of a church and say, Hey, try living out your heathen life in front of a holy God that way. It is like holy water on a vampire. That's divine intervention, my friend. Repent for the kingdom of the Lord is nigh. Come to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, sir, it sounds like you're really passionate about Jesus. I am. Um, and you should also be. Okay. Passionate about the Lord. Sir, if there's... You need to get sanctified or chicken fried. Can we... You need to get with the Lord or drive a Ford. Sir, we... Get right or get left. I share my faith. Okay, that's a lie. People don't even know I'm a Christian. I want to, again, another lie. I hardly shower, much less have the will to do anything else. Mm, okay, now if there was pizza and ice cream every time there was faith sharing, I'd do it. That's a lie. I'm lactose intolerant. Again, another lie. I'm just too cheap to buy dairy. Bottom line, sharing my faith makes me sweaty. 
Uh, tip number 95, um, use big church words like transubstantiation. Heathens get confused easily, and the more confused they are, the more shame they are. The more shame they are, the more apt they are to make a decision for Jesus Christ. I believe it's a responsibility, no, the privilege, no, the glorious privilege of every believer to share their faith with others. That's why I share my faith with everyone I come in contact with. Everyone, really? <laughs> yeah, everyone. How do you do that? Uh, check out my shirt. Can't read it? Try this glove. Not working for you? How about this bracelet? No comprendo? Vistazo a estos. <laughs> Driving behind me? Read my bumper sticker. Says, it's okay if you follow close. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> oh, you're my waiter or waitress? I got a tip for you. Surprise! It's the gospel. I mean, what do you want? Money or eternity? <laughs> I also use these tracks. <laughs> so, what about talking to people about your faith? I don't really like people, but I love Jesus. <laughs> Scripture mint? Hi, my name is George. And I'm Jorge, and together we're George and Jorge. Right, right. Uh, what we like to do is to take secular songs and reprogram them. Yes, the purpose is for evangelism. We like to take songs to the unbelieving world and make it believable. Right, right. Let us give you a sample right now. Why don't you just give it all up to Jesus tonight? Pray for your soul today, for your soul today. Just pray. I was a freshman in college the first time I invited someone to church. My best buddy called me. I was working at a grocery store. I was in the back cutting carrots and my buddy called me. And I just said, hey, do you want to go to church with me tonight? And uh, I remember his words. He said, sure, I got nothing better to do. And I went to church with him. And you know, I went there because they were serving pizza that night. Um, I don't remember what was said. I don't remember what was sung. During the services, I remember praying for him and just asking God, to please reach out and touch his heart or do something because I knew he needed Jesus. And then um, God answered my prayers. That night changed my life, September 17th, 1987. It changed my life because I realized I needed a savior. You know, we can laugh about all the different funny things that we have seen and heard about evangelism but the reality is that evangelism is sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those who need it just like we needed it you have your Bibles with you this morning I want to read a passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 10 verses 26 through 33 where Jesus shares with us not only some commands but also some promises. So if you would, let's honor the reading of the word of the Lord as we stand this morning. Matthew chapter 10, it's on the screen for those of you that uh, forgot your Bible this morning. For those of you that are at home or wherever, um, here's what it says. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. 
What I tell you in darkness, that, that you speak in light. And what you hear in, in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before man, him will I also deny before the Father which is in heaven. Father, we praise you and thank you that not only do you tell us what we ought to be doing, but Father, you encourage us with the promises of the fact that we don't do it alone. We don't do it without your guidance. We don't do it without your protection. We don't do it without your understanding. So Father, as I talk about uh, um, something today that I believe is lacking among the, the church of Jesus Christ today, I pray that, Father, that you would stir our hearts. That you would stir my heart. And Lord, where um, we have created excuses, reasons, Lord, may we really understand what God has to say to us. So, Lord, I pray that as I stand behind this sacred desk, that first and foremost, that you would hide me behind the cross. Second of all, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have liberty to take the word that God has given unto us and, and, and imprint it upon our hearts. Cause us to hear, O Lord, the command and the promise that goes with these commands. And Father, create in us a, a, a great willingness to leave this place and to go and do what we have been called to do and equipped to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. As I said, we, we have been talking about spiritual disciplines in our life, and uh, we have come to that one of evangelism. And so, as we think about that, we've got to think about, you know, what is the most scariest thing known to human beings? Well, here's what the polls say. The polls over the years have shown that the second greatest fear for the majority of people is death. The greatest fear, now here, number one, the greatest fear for people is public speaking. Now, I was going to uh, make, you know, Keg my object of, uh, you know, uh, attention here, but he's not here this morning. Uh, so, however... As we think about the, 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 the people are more afraid of what I'm doing right here, right now, than even dying. However, if such polls were limited to that of those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, I believe that there would be another answer given. Something that is a greater cause of fear than death and even that of public speaking. It would be evangelism. The verbal communication of what evangelism is, talking about sin, death, judgment, and hell. 
And then sharing with them the good news of salvation by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That, my friends, is what evangelism is. The declaration that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. That He was and is fully God and fully man. The sinless Lamb of God who suffered and died upon Calvary's cross shed his blood for the, uh, for, of innocence and, and his blood for you and I, the guilty, the sinners, who then forever defeated sin and death. When he rose from the grave, he gave to us not only hope, but the promise of eternal life. It is evangelism, the biblical and loving call of Christians to hell-bound lost people to call them to repent. Repentance is certainly causing them or, or sharing with them that they need to turn from sin and turn to God. Repentance is simply just a 180 degree turn in our life. Listen, let me just remind you, if you have never repented, you have never been saved. You cannot be saved without changing your life. God chooses to save us through... Um, changing us from the inside out. To believe the gospel and to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is that which is life-changing. Sadly, what many or perhaps even most professing Christians fear the most is actually the most loving thing that we can do for another human being. To evangelize them, to share with them to bring them into light with the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ by lifting up the name and telling people how that they can know Jesus as Savior and as Lord. How that they can be victorious over sin and death. Of course, we know it is loving for us as a church and as Christians to feed the hungry. It is loving for us as a church to, to clothe the destitute, to house the homeless, to provide medical care for those that are sick and afflicted. The body of Christ should do all of these things, and we do. But we should do much more. In order to fulfill the command that God has given to us to love our neighbor as ourselves, we can't just give them stuff must give them Jesus. Listen, don't you see, if we feed the world, clothe the world, and even if we have the answer to the world's disease problems, and we bless the world with every other kind of good intention, and yet, do not warn them of God's impending wrath upon their sin. The fact that they have broken God's law as expressed in the Ten Commandments, such as lying, stealing, blasphemy, adultery, coveting, and on and on. And then, one thing just to tell them their sin, but listen, we can't stop there. We must present to them that there is hope and help. In Jesus Christ. 
we need to recognize that we not only need to point out the sin of the world, but we need to tell them how to fix the sin of the world. We need to take them back to the cross where Jesus Christ died for us, where his death was our substitute. His loving sacrifice on the cross, his glorious resurrection, the good news of forgiveness of sin and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then in the end, if all we give them is food, clothing, and shelter, and all we have simply done, my friends, is we have simply accomplished making the lost life more comfortable on their way to eternity in hell. That, my friends, is a tragedy. Please hear me. If we pass up or ignore with depraved indifference the opportunity to help others in need, the Bible is very clear that we ourselves have sinned before God. But a greater sin is to know and to have known and to possess the cure for man's worst disease, the disease of sin, and intentionally withhold the diagnosis and the access to the one cure, Jesus Christ. For what we do to them is we condemn them to spiritual death for eternity. So during the remainder of our sermon this morning, I want us to look at what God's Word says to us about the subject of evangelism and how to overcome the greatest fear that most of us experience as Christians. Sunday school class had a great discussion this morning when I slipped in about this very subject. So our text here is the Lord preparing the people and the first thing that we want to look at is verses 26 and 27. The light of Christ conquers the darkness of the world. And the Bible is very clear that says the light came into the world. The world received him not because they loved darkness greater than light. We're living in a very dark world. It likes the darkness because that's where they can hide the sin of their life. And God reminds us that it is His light that expels the darkness and reveals to humankind their great need for sin. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had two young ones come and profess their faith that they had understood the sin in their life, and they're just children. If they understand the darkness, how much more should we who have experienced it for years see that we need a light to expel the darkness the, the wonderful encouragement that Jesus gives us here in this passage of scripture is simply um, on the heels of a very sobering promise that God makes to us if you, if you have your Bibles just back up a few verses with me to verses 16 through 22 and I'm just going to kind of give you a, a real re quick recap here of what's going on. 
He reminds them in, in these verses, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. He says, I'm going to send you out as innocents in the midst of a world that is going to eat you alive, per se. And then he goes on to say that they're not going to accept you. They're not going to like you. They're going to throw you out. They're going to put you in prison. They're going to bring you up on charges. They're going to make your life miserable. No wonder so many Christians are saying, no, thank you. We'll leave it up to the preacher. But on the heels of that, the Lord gives us a Three promises that we want to look at this morning. And the first one is that they, he brought a light in the world that conquers the darkness of this world. His light overcomes all of the darkness that the world can throw at us. When we let the light of Christ shine through us, there is no darkness we cannot expel. Then Jesus tells them, not once, not twice, but three times, be not afraid. But he does not just leave them with a command that they are to obey. No, each time he commands them to not be afraid, he gives them a promise to believe him, something to hold on to. His disciples could go and make disciples of every nation and they could go and preach the gospel to every creature because these three promises are given to all of us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a world that calls evil good and good evil. While conditioning and endorsing and at all times even applauding such evils as such as abortion and homosexuality and fornication and religious pluralism and a host of other sins that I don't have time to talk about and don't need to talk about, you already know what the world is doing. The world then goes on and condemns the good news. Jesus Christ as being bigoted, intolerant, narrow, and unloving. If you had the opportunity not to turn off your radio this last week, you know that I talked about this very subject all week long. Jesus' exclusive statement. But in that exclusive statement, we find that he is the most inclusive person of all. He said, whosoever. Every one of us. Jesus commands his disciples and us not to be afraid when the persecution of any kind comes our way. Including persecution that comes from those who hold godless and anti-Christian worldviews. My friends, listen, the church has been under attack, but the church is going to be under greater attack. We have only begun to see what is going to come against the church. And in the midst of that time, let me just remind you, what God is going to allow happen is the purging of the church. Unless we are found deep and grounded in our faith, we will run away from the persecution that is coming to the church. Because I believe wholeheartedly that God has said that when he comes back for his church, he's coming back for a bride that is spotless, adorned in white. And that means that we're not living like the world anymore, but we're living like Christ. 
The only way that that's going to happen is when the world comes against the church and, and we either uh, dig into the foundation of the Word of God and, and grow in grace and knowledge of Him or we leave and say, I didn't sign up for this. There are those who are going to criticize and judge and condemn. But Jesus gives good news for not being afraid because in the end, light will conquer the darkness. That which is true will conquer that which is false. And true righteousness will be seen for what it is, good and from God. Jesus himself said, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and nothing hid that shall not be known. It doesn't matter what the world says about the, your faith in Jesus Christ. What matters is what God Almighty says about your faith in Jesus Christ. With fearless love and for Christ and compassionate love for the lost, we must let our light shine before a dark and lost world. Matthew chapter 5, we're reminded of what Jesus said there, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light... Now listen, I'm going to stop right there and just remind you. It does not say let the preacher's light shine. It says let your light. He's speaking to you. Let your light so shine that, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father which is in heaven. The only thing that will overcome and defeat the darkness that is in this world lies in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that should live in our hearts. Jesus also went on to say, What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. What you hear in your ears, go and preach from the housetops. The gospel is not a hidden message. One that is only to be whispered to people if they come into church. I'm going to say, keep inviting people to church. But here's what we also need to be doing, telling them ahead of time what they should expect to hear. You're going to hear the message of the gospel, and the gospel is that Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, came from heaven, and He lived a sinless life, and He died a sinless death, took upon Himself the sins of all the world, went to the grave, and in the grave he spent three days. He conquered death, and he conquered the grave. And on the third day he rose again, and he has ascended into the Father, and he lives, and now he lives within me. That should not be a message that they should be surprised to hear. They should be hearing it from you and I who, as we invite them to come to church. Gospel message is to be proclaimed boldly to the whole world and every Christian is to take part in that all-important work. Jesus says, do not be afraid. The light of Christ conquers the darkness of this world. Well, God calls us to pray quietly, solitarily places in our closets, not on the street corners to be seen by men has commanded us to come out of our closets and he has told us to announce from the housetops, the street corners and the classrooms, the boardrooms, the break rooms, 
from your living rooms to the kitchen table, that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, came so that people might live, be forgiven, and have eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ. Let us not be blinded by the darkness, but let us see clearly by the light. Light will expel the darkness every time. The second promise and command is be not afraid, for the light of Christ conquers the sting of death. In verse 28, he says, And fear not them that kill the body, but, not, uh, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. You know, everything that happens in this life is only temporary. The only thing that is eternal is what we do or don't do with Jesus Christ. Every hardship, every trial, even the ones as hard as what the Mackin family is going through, every trial, every difficulty is only temporary when we compare it to eternity. Even the persecution that might come, even if it lasts a lifetime, it's only temporary. This life is not all there is. Eternity awaits everyone. The, 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 the thing is, the question that we have to ask is, where will we spend eternity? If you and I, who, who as the Sunday school class discussed this morning, know, Martha, we know that we're going to heaven one day, and we can't wait till we fly away. What about those that we know don't know? where they're going to spend eternity. Or maybe they do. Maybe they know their life is such a mess and nobody and not even God wants to forgive them. But we have an answer that God can forgive everybody for everything. God has promised His death removes the sting of our eternal death, takes us from the grave, and gives us life. Eternity waits for everyone. Here in America, there are relatively few Christians who have experienced or who are experiencing or who probably will ever experience much of true persecution. Now, I believe there's a day coming. We'll see more than what we're seeing today. And I believe it's coming sooner than we think. When it will actually start costing you to sit in that pew. Not because we're collecting a collector's fee, but because the world around us has said, you're going to have to stand up for Jesus or step out. 
What will you do? Don't answer that question today, but let it be a question that plagues your heart. That being said, most of us as Americans today consider persecution as little more than an inconvenience to the body of Christ all over the rest of the world, what they experience already. Certainly, if Jesus tells us not to fear those who can kill the body, there is no reason for us to fear those who might make fun of us, stump us with a tough question, or remove us. Oh, Lord, have mercy. If they remove me from their Facebook friend, I don't know what I will do. Oh, wait. I don't have it. I mean, seriously, the United, in the United States today, most likely the most negative thing right now at this point that we're, reaction that we're going to have is if we were to walk up to somebody and hand them a track or try to hand them a track, they might just say, no, I don't want it. Keep it. Oh, I guess I better not do that ever again. Really? But that's how we react. Instead of fearing man, the Lord says, who can do nothing more than take action against us in a temporary result. Jesus tells us that we are to fear God and God alone. While the command may sound ominous, it is actually one for the true follower of Christ, filled with great promise. The purpose of hope that eternal, that's eternal, a life that is free from the chains of sin and death. An existence where fear has no place in the presence of God. Because of the cross... At the cross of Jesus Christ, he allowed justice and mercy to become companions on your behalf. The one to be feared is not the one who is the created, but the creator. The one to be feared is not the finite being, but the infinite one. The one to be feared is not the slave to sin, the unbeliever, but the sovereign Lord who calls the unbeliever out of their sin into his marvelous light. The unbeliever for the persecutor of the church, for the one who has the ability and desire to take Christians' lives physically. Let me just remind you, read the book of Daniel. As God reminds us that when you mess with my children, you mess with me. So we see, we need not to fear because we have a God who is on our side. Christian attitude, therefore, should be, I would rather be killed by someone who hates Jesus than to do anything that disappoints my Savior. My fear of, uh, uh, of the good and loving discipline of Abba Father is greater than the fear of sinful, persecuted man. Surely, these are great truths to keep in mind. With the amazing true words of our Lord, do not fear. In our hearts and in our minds, we can then muster up the courage. Take a gospel track out of the track rack that sits right over there that's not been used much in, in several years. I, I keep having it straightened up just because it gets knocked around, but I, I look and I haven't had to replace a track in two years. 
Boy, what would it be to, to muster up the strength to go grab a track and say, I'm going to get this into the hands of someone who doesn't know Jesus this week. I do not have to fear. He is with me. Surely we can muster up enough courage to engage a family member, a friend, or a stranger in conversation with the intent of sharing the gospel because we care about them, we love them, and we don't want them to go to hell unless they make that conscious choice. You need not fear evangelism because the light of the Lord covers and conquers the darkness. You need not fear evangelism because life conquers death. This brings us to our last great truth this morning. Found in verses 29 through 31, the love of Christ for the lost conquers all. Let me just remind you that it took love to leave the portals of heaven, the splendor of glory, to take upon human flesh and know that the end result was you were going to be hated and crucified on a cross. You want to know how much Jesus loves you? Look at the cross, for there he stretched out his arms and died for you. You see, the reality is the love of Christ for the lost conquers all things. Jesus reminds them, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Now, by the way, that's the, the smallest coin that they had in their day be like a penny to us today. And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father, meaning not one dies, that your father does not know every sparrow that dies. Here's where I give God a little help. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I figured there are some of you that he needs to work a little bit harder on, and I just wanted him to have a little help. He knows exactly how many I've lost, even though I don't. But here's what he says, fear not. Therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Sparrows in those days were in sense like a dime a dozen. Jesus is telling the disciples and he's reminding us that, that God is so sovereign over the most common that even the least valued animal in that culture God kept his eyes on. If God would keep his eyes upon the sparrow, how much more will he keep his eyes upon you and I who he died for? We live, as I've said, we live in a very unsafe world. During very uncertain times, there are places like China and Nigeria and India and Colombia and places uh, that Christians are martyred every day. But the average lifespan of Christians is not decades, just a year or years. Did you know that in the 20th century alone, there was calculated more Christians martyred for the faith than in all the previous 19 centuries combined. 
Don't tell me the world isn't getting worse. Don't tell me the world is not coming after the followers of Christ. The history proves it. The Bible tells us it. Live in uncertain times. Persecution is no longer relegated to the third world countries. Persecution of the church is creeping out of the third world into the first world. It has reached such places even as the United Kingdom. One closer to us, Canada. Just several years ago, in Canada, they passed laws called hate crime laws, what America's been trying to pass. Christians, we need to be aware that what this says is that you no longer can speak the words of this book in public because they are considered hate crime. You cannot stand up on your moral values and you cannot proclaim what God says anymore because they have said that God has created a hate crime. You, if you speak it, you are guilty of man's laws. I tell you, my friends, that over and over again, even in America today, we need to be aware our Congress and our senators and, and, and those in, in leadership are trying to pass bills that are taking away the freedoms of the church to proclaim the gospel or the word of God as we see it written before us. We cannot, we can no longer have our heads in the sand and expect that God is just going to take care of us. We, the church, need to arise up and stand up for what we believe. Fear not what they might do to you. Fear not. Fear not that our God has said, Listen, children, the world is coming against you, and I will be there for you, but you've got to stand up. You only need to get outside the four walls of any church to see what America is becoming and has become towards the Christian faith, towards those who are willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ openly. But fear not, my Christian brothers and sisters, Jesus tells us you and I are more special, more precious than many sparrows. Our fears regarding evangelism, our fears regarding anything at all have been conquered by the love of God. To abide in Him, Abba Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the helper that He has given to us called the Holy Spirit, to know that He is one, he is God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and He has us on all sides. Our value to God, my friends, is determined by the price God paid for us, not by us ourselves. For in us there is nothing worthy of redemption, but the love of God for lost people that he would come and die on a cross for you and I to take away our sins. 
When God looks down upon me, he does not see the sin of Steve. He sees the righteousness of his son and the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God, because that's all that allows me into the holy place of the throne room of God is his blood. He says, come boldly, because you have been covered under the blood. One who is more valuable than every human being that will ever walk the face of the earth, combined past and present and future, is the one who determined our value on Calvary's cross. Jesus Christ is the greatest value to the Father. Those who are clothed in His righteousness of Christ, those who have been bought with that great price, the sacrificial death, the glorious resurrection of God the Son, those who God has caused and called born again, those of us who have received the precious gift of repentance and faith, those of us who have been drawn by the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Bible says that no man cometh unto the Father unless he is first drawn by the Spirit. God is at work revealing His love for you and for me. These are the ones that God says are most precious. His most precious commodity I don't know about you, but I ask God often, what makes me so precious? Because I see me as me. And if I were God, I would want nothing to do with me. But he reminds me, I bought and paid for you. Fear not. The same God who clothes the grass of the fields, the same God who feeds the birds of the air, Neither sow, sow, nor reap. The same God who has numbered the hairs on your head and knit you together in your mother's womb is the same glorious God who will help you to conquer all of your fears, even the greatest fear of all, evangelism. Because His love conquers all our fears. And His love for the lost should be our love for the lost. Again, fear not, my friends, is what God echoes to us all. Fear not, for the love of Jesus Christ has conquered the darkness of the loss. He has taken care of the sin-stained world which we lived in. Fear not, for the gift of eternal life by the same grace of God alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone has conquered the fear of temporal death in all of its forms. Fear not, for the love of God is such a great love. It is made manifest through the people by their love for the lost around us because His love conquers all. So go now. Leave today. Go on with your life, as the Scripture says, as you're going in your life, make disciples. Share your faith. Live for Jesus. Be not afraid to evangelize. Remember, 
We have been called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. What that can mean for all of us is simply give a track to someone. Initiate a conversation that you know that the end result is to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. Speak on behalf of the Lord Jesus. May His name be exalted not only in your life, but also in your lips. As Jesus reminds us, we have such a great salvation that we should want to shout it from the rooftops. It should not be something that we keep to ourselves. Too many people have said, my salvation, spiritual life is personal. Yes, in one aspect it is. Your salvation can be only yours. It can't be anybody else's. But beyond that, it is public. We're to live for Christ as we live this life. Take the hand of someone sitting at the dinner table with you. Just simply say, I want to make sure that you know that when it's all done, you and I will be together in heaven. If they don't know, share the gospel with them. If you don't know how to share the gospel, hang on, because I'm going to teach you here in the weeks to come. Some simple things and some simple ways. We cannot allow that to be an excuse. We're told, be not afraid. Do not be. Brian, you said you had a song that I think will work real well here. As they're coming... 368. As they're coming up, let me just pray for you as you put this in, 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 in perspective. Father... Far too long we have been afraid of the world. Far too long we have been afraid to stand up for you. Far too long we have lived in the shadows and in the darkness instead of in the light. Father, help us to stand up and stand out for Jesus. Help us to speak up and to speak out for you. Help us not to be afraid any longer but help us to become grounded in the word of the Lord that we might be able to share with others that we have found the way to heaven and be like Nathaniel as he said to Simon, Simon, come see him who is the way. Lord, help us to be that vocal voice and let our lives so line up that our words have impact. Hear us now as we sing, Lord, speak to our hearts, and if there's one who needs to come and pray for a lost person, may they use this time to come to the altar. There's one who wants to commit their life to you, O Lord, I'll be standing right here. There's one, O Lord, that that wants to to step out and step up. Lord, Accept their challenge. Give them the boldness to do so. We ask it in Jesus' name.